Okay, journey to transition into uh, my favorite time here, uh, the sermon. Uh, I want to help us find the right feel for where I believe the Lord is going to lead us today. So as, as we prepare now to address maybe what happens when we fail and the role that, that God might play in that and, and the role that he plays in our failures or our brokenness or, or our mistakes or our struggling, like whatever it might be, the list goes on. In order to set the tone for that, uh, I, I invited my friend Dylan here to play a song and I, I'm going to have him come out. He's going to play this song called I Have Made Mistakes by the band The Oh Hellos. So let's welcome Dylan to the stage as he plays for us. Um. Mistakes, I continue to make them. The promises I've made, the promises I've made, I continue to break them. And all the doubts I've faced, all the doubts I've faced, I continue. Nothing is a waste, nothing is a waste if you learn from it. And the sun, it does not cause us, sun, it does not cause us to grow. It is the rain that will strengthen. Rain that will strengthen your soul It will make you whole
Dylan. The thing about failing is that we've all done it. Like we've all been there, we've all experienced it, we've all made mistakes. We all have these experiences in our life where things start to bottom out, right? Whether it's from our own doing or not, even, right? We can relate to one another on what it feels like to have things in our lives fall apart. Like we, we get that. Uh, we're, we're all in the same boat, so to speak, when it comes to that, which is a fitting thing to say because today I want to talk to us about how to survive a shipwreck. How to survive a shipwreck. And I'll warn you up front, this sermon is like part memoir, part a sermon that a guy named Jonathan Martin preached one time, and like part Acts 27 and Paul's shipwreck being a metaphor for our lives. So, yeah, do whatever you want with that. Uh, I'm going to start by, by sharing some of my story with you. Uh, in March of this year, I finished up my sixth year of coaching high school basketball at Bozeman High. In March, myself and, and our entire community, really, we were brought to a state of, of heartache and shock as a, a member on my team, his name's Grady and his mom, Heather, were killed in a car accident. And I, I've been starting to realize over the last six months that there's still something going on inside of me that I can't quite get a hold of. Uh, I started out in the process by, by being really strong. Right, like as soon as it happened, I, I knew I had to be really strong because I don't, I don't have any kids. My wife and I, we don't have any children, and I'm an only child, so I don't have any siblings. So these boys that I coach, they like end up being, I don't know, my, my, my kids or my little brothers, and, and I have this unique opportunity to have a relationship and a bond with them, and I, I had a special relationship with Grady. And so when he passed away, in, in March, I, I did this thing where I, I put like my pastor hat on. And I was like, I have to be the one who's strong for these high school students who don't have answers, for these families who don't have answers. Like I have to be the one who's like, okay, you can hold on to me in the middle of this storm. And so I, I, I did that thing where I, like, I, I 
armored up, I, I powered up, I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the foundation we need. And in the midst of that, I, ne- I never acknowledged, sorry, this is like, hey, I'm Chris, good to see you and all my stuff. Um, I never acknowledged that I was still holding on to it, trying to figure it out myself. Like I wasn't letting the healing process begin. And so in that place, right, where, where I'm broken, where I'm a mess, well, what I'm doing is I'm failing. I'm failing in this. Like I'm like, why can't I get over this? Why, why can't I grieve? Why can't I be okay with looking weak? Why is this so hard for me? Right, and, and I'm failing to acknowledge the fact that I can't do it on my own, that I don't have to be in control, that it's okay to be a mess, that it's okay to be broken, that it's okay to need other people or to need help or to need God in those ways. And so really it was like three weeks ago that I finally got to this place where I was like, I need to ask for help. I need help with this. And I'm gonna read us. Acts 27 today, and, and Acts 27 became this like story that ran parallel to my life during this last six month span as I've tried to cope with whatever's breaking inside of me. And, and Acts 27 is the story of, of Paul and these people on board. Paul was a prisoner at the time on his way to Rome, and they survived this shipwreck. And like th- this is what my, my life has felt like for the last six months. And I've been caught in the storm, right? Or I've been shipwrecked out to sea. And my story and the story of Paul in Acts 27, they, they all of a sudden, they like start to intersect in this strangely beautiful way. And my hope is that you can relate to my own personal heartache and you can put in that place maybe your own failure, your own shortcomings, your own hurts, like whatever it might be. You might have a, a job that, that went south or, or your finances came crumbling down or a marriage that didn't work out like you thought it would or, or relationships or, or someone around you. Like whatever it is, you, you've been there, you know what that feels like and I want you to, to experience that for yourself today as your story runs concurrently with Paul's in Acts 27. And so that's my hope that they would all intersect in some strangely beautiful, life-giving, hope-filled way for each one of us. So here's how the, the story goes. I'm just gonna read it and I'm gonna meander through the text. It's a whole chapter. So it's like you're getting your whole Bible in for the week, okay? So he, here's how the story begins. This is in Acts 27, so we're assuming that this guy Luke is actually telling the story as he's along for the ride with Paul. Starts out, the date was set for us to depart for Rome. That's where they were headed, to Rome. Paul was a prisoner, and he was going to Rome to share the gospel there, except he was in chains, and essentially he was going there to die. Right? But he was, he's like, I'm going to get there and do the best I can do with what I got. So Paul and some of the other prisoners, they were transferred to the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a member of the Augustan division. So here they are, all these, these few prisoners and then the soldiers and all that. They're on this ship and they got to get to Rome. And so they get out to sea and then I'll pick it up in verse 7. Here's what happens. The winds were still contrary, so we made slow progress for a number of days and with difficulty passed Snidus, sailed south toward Crete, and passed Cape Salmon on its eastern end. Right, so they're sailing. The conditions aren't great, okay? And remember, like, this is a metaphor for our lives, right? This is us sailing, and all of a sudden, the conditions aren't great, okay? 
Sailing conditions were adverse to say the least. And finally, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lycia on the south side of Crete. We had lost a lot of time already. It was late in the year for sailing following the Day of Atonement. And conditions had deteriorated from adverse to dangerous. So Paul tried to warn those in charge, right? So our lives, that's so typical of when we hit this point where we bottom out, right? All of a sudden things are adverse, like there's some adversity going on and then it goes to dangerous, right? Like it goes into full, like we're in the storm mode. So here's what Paul says, right? He's trying to like pastor these people, but he's the prisoner. And he goes, sirs, if we proceed, I can see that our voyage will be dangerous and will involve heavy loss, not only of cargo, but of the ship itself, Not only of the ship, but also of our lives. But the officer ignored Paul and instead trusted the ship's pilot and owner who felt they could proceed. We had two choices. We could anchor in the harbor at Fair Havens and spend the winter, or we could proceed west along the coastline, hoping to reach Phoenix and wait there for calmer spring weather. Right? We have all that's us too. In the midst of what's going to be the storm, we have choices. Where do we want to go? What do we want to do? Right, Fair Havens was not a good option, though, being vulnerable to winter storms. So most of us agreed we should try to reach Phoenix, whose harbor was far more protected. One day, a moderate south wind began to blow, which made an attempt possible, right? So it could move the ship. We weighed anchor and sailed west, staying near the shore. Right, so here, here we are, right? This is our, our lives. We're in the midst of sailing out to sea. Verse 14, then things got scary. Right, a violent northeaster blew down across Crete. We were caught. We couldn't turn and sail into the fierce wind. So we had no choice but to let it drive us. Right, this is what life feels like in the storm. This is what life feels like in the darkness in the midst of pain. Right, we have no choice but to just let it drive us. Right, we thought we knew where we wanted to go and now the storm is just driving us. Like that was me, I was just, I was caught in the storm and it was just blowing me around. Story continues. We briefly found a bit of shelter from the wind near the island of Clotta. We had been having trouble securing the ship's lifeboat, but we were able there to hoist it up and send down cables to brace the hull which was in danger of breaking apart under the strain of the storm. Right, if our lives are that ship, like that is us, we are in danger of breaking apart under the strain of the storm. The wind was relentless and soon we were again being driven southwest at the mercy of the storm. Right, again, we can feel that just blowing in on us. Life just coming in at all sides. That's, that was what I felt, like I was in danger of breaking apart but I didn't want to give in to that, right? Like I had powered up, I was strong. That's, that's us, right? We, we feel that tension when we're in danger of breaking apart and we don't want to experience that. So we feared it would drive us all the way to the Sirtis Banks down near the North African coast. So we threw out the sea anchor to slow us down. All through the night, the storm pounded us violently, right? Like that, that's me in my life, you might relate. You lay down at night, You want to sleep so bad, but the storm is just pounding you violently. You can't find rest from the storm. It's just reminding you over and over again. So the next day, the crew threw the ship's cargo overboard. And the day after that, they discarded any of the ship's equipment they could do without. Right, And it was when I read that 
that they're starting to throw stuff overboard, that I found myself asking God, like, is there something you want me, God, to throw overboard in my life? Is there something that might be causing me to sink or to crash? And I think that that's something about pain in our lives, that's something about bottoming out or failure or whatever it is. It forces us to ask these questions about what's really going on inside of us. Is there something we need to throw overboard? Verse 20, days passed without relief from the furious winds, without a single break in the clouds to see sun or stars, even for a moment. Like that's just the words for what our life is like in those moments, right? Days passed without relief from the furious winds. It says despair set in as if all hope of rescue had been cast overboard as well. And we reach that point so often where we're like, okay, God, whatever, like I get it. And all of a sudden hope's been cast overboard as well. And you feel like there's no hope. There's nothing at the other end. There's nothing for you. And so on top of all this, the crew had been unable to eat anything because of the turmoil. So Paul saw the crew had reached a critical moment and he gathered them. Right, this is Paul again, pastoring these people as their prisoner. He brings them all together. And he says, men, if you had listened to my morning, if you had listened to my warning, we would still be safe in Crete and would have avoided this damage and loss. If you know anything about Paul, that's kind of in line with his personality. Like I told you so, guys. He says, I was correct in my warning, so I urge you to believe me now. None of you will die. We will lose the ship, but we will not lose one life. So keep up your courage, men. In the midst of the darkness and the pain and the storm, right? we, we can side with Paul. We can see what he's saying here like, hey, this is the promise you will not lose your life in the midst of this. The storm won't take your life. It will crush your ship and everything that you were carrying, but you will not lose your life. If only you hang on, you've got to have courage. And so here's what Paul says next. He says, the God I belong to, the God I worship sent a heavenly messenger to me this night. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. I'm not finished with you yet. And when I read that, Six months ago, God had that just leap off the page and grab me, right? Do not be afraid, Chris. I am not finished with you yet. And maybe that's all you need to hear this morning. Like, do not be afraid. God is not finished with you yet. There's something on the other side of the storm for you. He says, you're gonna stand before the emperor. You can be certain that God has granted safety to you and all your companions, right? So he tells him this story, this encounter he had. And so he goes, so listen, men, you must not give up hope. So listen, church, listen, friends, you must not give up hope. Keep up your courage. I have faith in God that things will turn out exactly as I was told last night. Have faith. And that God says it will turn out just like he said it would. He is on the other side. He's not finished with you yet. So here's what Paul says. He says, here's what I foresee. We will run aground on some island. They're trying to get to Rome. Rome's not an island. Right, like that's not super comforting in the middle of that. But he's saying, hey, we're gonna end up where we need to be. 
and I think we're going to end up on an island. So then imagine what happened. It's the 14th night of our nightmare voyage. We're being driven by the storm somewhere in the Adriatic Sea. And I know that's what I've felt like maybe even over these last six months. Like I'm somewhere in the sea. I have no idea where or what's going on, but I know I'm somewhere and I'm being driven by it. And I'm trying to figure out if there's any light on the other side. I'm trying to see if I can see this island that we're talking about. It's about midnight and the sailors are taking soundings, fearing we might run aground. 20 fathoms, somebody calls out in the darkness. Then a little later, 15 fathoms, we're nearing land. Right, but it's pitch black now. Darkness is all around them. So Luke writes, but hope quickly gives way to a new fear. Right, like you thought you were on your way out of it. You thought you were on your way out of the mess, out of the storm. But a new fear arises. At any moment in this darkness, they realize we could be smashed onto unseen rocks. Like when we are lost at sea, when our lives are, are all splattered out there, bottomed out. Right, like all of a sudden we realize, oh my gosh, there might be something out here that I didn't see that I'm going to run up against. There's more to this storm than I thought. And so they drop four anchors from the stern and they pray for first light. Man, that spoke to me too. Just dropped right there and pray for light. Pray that I can see some hope in the darkness. Then some of the crew decide to make a run for it on their own. They say they need to let out more anchors from the bow and this will require lowering the ship's lifeboat. They actually plan to abandon us. We realize what's going on, right? So there's other people on this ship who are trying to get away without going through the necessary things that have to happen, right? Like Paul's like, no, 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 God said, we're all gonna make it. We're gonna lose the ship, but you gotta stay here. And so they're gonna go try and get in the lifeboat, right? They're trying to get out of there and they catch what's going on. So Paul quickly speaks to the officer and soldiers. He says, unless these men stay on board, you won't survive. So the soldiers intervene, cut away the lifeboat, and let it drift away. How ironic, right? There goes the lifeboat. You're like, the lifeboat? Like, that's all I wanted. And it drifts away. Because God says, that's not the way we get out of here. We wait. Just before dawn, Paul again gathers everyone on the ship all 276 of us. He urges everyone to eat and encourages us to not lose hope, right? So here he is again, pastoring these people, bringing them together. And here's what Paul says. He says, listen, men, we've all been under incredible stress for 14 days. You haven't eaten anything during this time. I urge you to take some food now because it will help you survive what you're about to face. And I want to assure you, not one of you will lose a single hair from your head. We're all going to make it, all 276 of us. Right, and so sometimes when you're out at sea, when the storm's raging around you, all you gotta do is eat. Right, like take care of yourself. Right, like sometimes I like to say the most spiritual thing we can do is take a nap. Right, like just take care of yourself. Don't forget about those basic needs that your body needs to make it through the storm. And so here's what happens next after Paul says that. Then Paul takes a loaf of bread and give thank, gives thanks to God in front of all of them. 
He breaks it, takes a piece, and begins to eat. What does that look like, right? That looks like Jesus with his disciples breaking the bread, giving thanks and saying, this is my body broken for you, right? He does that and they eat. Verse 36, a fresh surge of courage seems to fill their hearts as they also begin to eat. A fresh surge of courage. Because they started to grab onto something that mattered, something of sustenance, something that would fill them. After satisfying their hunger, their crew lightens the ship by throwing the remaining wheat overboard. Day finally breaks. Right? Finally, there's something that they can see at least. But they survey the coastline and don't recognize it. But they do notice a bay with a beach, the best place to try and run ashore. So they cut the anchor ropes, untie the steering oars, hoist the foresail to the wind, and they make for the beach. All right, here we go. We're finally getting out of this storm. I can see the shoreline. But then there's this horrible sound. And we realize we've struck a reef. The bow is jammed solid, and the waves are smashing the stern to pieces. That is like my life just jammed in the reef as the waves are just bam, bam. That's your life, right? Like we've been there. And they're smashing it to pieces. You're like, I thought that I wanted to get there to that shore and it's, I was gonna make it on the ship, but now it's just getting smashed to pieces. And now the soldiers start talking about killing the prisoners so they won't swim away and escape. Or like now everyone's freaking out because they can feel it. It's intense, right? The waves are crashing in all around them, but the officer wants to save Paul, so he stops them. But he says, no, we can't kill anybody. And here's what he, he tells them this. Those who can swim, jump overboard and swim to the shore. If you can swim, jump overboard, go swim. He says, and those who can't, he tells to hold on to planks and other pieces of the ship when it breaks apart. Some hours later, we reassemble on the beach, each one safe and sound. <coughs> you can make it on the broken pieces. Man, I can make it on the broken pieces. Maybe in order to make it to the shore on the broken pieces, we first have to throw some things overboard. Maybe we have to drop everything and pray for first light. Maybe we have to believe that God's not finished with us yet. Like maybe you just need to be reminded of that over and over again. But we can make it on the broken pieces. That's how they get to shore. The broken pieces are enough to get us home, right? To get us to the shore, to get us to Jesus, to get us to our hope. And I don't think that we have to pretend we're something different than we are. Like we don't, I, don't, I mean, we don't have to say to God, God, you can have all of me when there's not truth in that, in that moment of brokenness and storm and shipwreck, right? Like that's not true, but we can make it on the broken pieces. We can say, God, you can have any of me, whatever's left, whatever little bit of terrain I have left in me, God, you can have that because that's all he needs to get you to the shore because you can make it on the broken pieces, and to build that one step deeper. You know why we can make it on the broken pieces? Because Jesus was the broken pieces. 
Jesus went to the cross to be broken to pieces so that we might have a way to have a relationship with him. Right, Jesus says it like I was mentioning. He gathers those disciples together, right? Days before he's going to the cross to be crucified. And he says, Here, here's this bread. And he breaks it and he says, this is my body broken for you. This is my body broken for you. So that you can be home. So that you can be saved. So that you can be forgiven. So that you can be made new so that you can find your way out the other side of the storm. It doesn't mean you end up having it all together at that moment because you just made it on the broken pieces. But that's enough. Like we can make it on the broken pieces. Would you go ahead and set your stuff aside and I mean you close your eyes or whatever you need to do and let's just take a few moments to reflect. Reflect on all of this. Like maybe, maybe there's, there's things going on in your life that God's stirring inside of you right now. I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to what that is. Maybe there's something he's asking you to throw overboard. Have that conversation with him now. Maybe all you needed to hear was don't be afraid because he's not finished with you yet. Maybe for the first time in your life you realize it's enough to make it on the broken pieces. So go with him to the shore. Do whatever you need to do in that conversation with God right now. I'll wrap us up in a moment. As you continue to take that time, I just want to take a moment and speak to anyone who might be with us this morning who has never chosen to follow Jesus, to take him up on that offer of new life. Maybe you'd never thought of it quite like that, that Jesus is the broken pieces that we can make it on, and that's really the only way to shore. So if you're here this morning and you wanna step in to a relationship with Jesus, you wanna cross the line of faith today, I wanna to give you the opportunity to do that. So if that's you, you can pray this prayer with me and go something like this, just in the quiet of your own heart. God, I thank you, first of all, for loving me. I thank you that you would wanna to say to me, that you're not finished with me yet. And God, I thank you for your son, Jesus, that he was willing to go to the cross to be broken for me so that I might have 
a way to new life, to be forgiven, to be made whole. And today, God, I'm giving you control of my life. I'm asking that you would forgive me, God, for for my sin, for the times I've tried to get to shore myself. And today, God, I surrender that to you. Surrender the pieces I was holding on to, whatever that looks like in my life. God, I'm giving that to you. And today, I'm calling you the Lord of my life. And if you prayed that, then know there's probably not a decision in your life that carries more weight than choosing to cross that line of faith and follow Jesus. And it's so important and it's such a big deal to us around here that we ask that you just share that with us by slipping up your hand and making eye contact with me. It'd be between you and God saying, yeah, that's me, yeah. I see you today. You're saying, yeah, Jesus, I'm in. I'm gonna make it on the broken pieces because that's who you are. You could do that now, slip your hand up, make eye contact with me. Yeah, I see you, good job. See you right there. God, I thank you so much that you're a God who, who meets us where we are. That you love us no matter where we've been or what we've done, God. And my prayer is that for every one of us here today who's experienced some level of failure or brokenness or bottoming out or falling apart, that, that you would be the fresh surge of courage in our lives. And that we would make it to shore on the broken pieces that are you. That you would, you would just speak this message to us over and over again. Do not be afraid. I'm not finished with you yet, God. Would that be what sustains us as we go out of here today? Would you let our pain and our brokenness and our sadness and our struggles and our mistakes be something that then ultimately points to you that you can choose to redeem and gives you glory, God? Because that's what this is all about. It's all about you. We love you, give our lives to you, and we pray all these things in your name.